All matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration. We are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream. And we are the imagination of ourselves. You know, and, and what I'm saying is that for a lot of reasons, and a lot of the evidence points to the fact that ultimately matter and everything else in, in, is just data, and the forces that we interact with are rules about how that data interacts with, it, with itself. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting uh, digital universe, simulated universe, whatever you want to call it. With a good buddy, Jim Elvidge. Um, we had him on a long time ago. There's probably a ton of people who haven't heard that episode. Um, it was down probably in the first 10 episodes or 15 episodes we did. So you can go back and check that one out. That was how I was cussing a lot. Oh, yeah, you um, probably swore a lot. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Later. First, as always, I'm the boy killer Dunlop. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Yeah, you had to say something about that. We'll get into that. Yeah. I'm doing okay. I'm recovering from a weird continued. cold. From a sneeze gone a bad? Sne- yeah. You pulled your back out? No, I sneezed more in one day than I have in the last two decades. Something happened. I started sneezing like crazy. You know yeah. what? It was Jam-o. after the episode with, what's his name? The Illuminati Satanist. You think he cursed you? Yeah, something fucking happened there. He's going to curse you more, and now they call him Illuminati Satanist. You better hope he doesn't didn't become a fan of the show. You're going to be some fucking mad at you. I'm just being sarcastic, but we did get a warning email from a couple potential listeners. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, how have you been? It good, seems like good. it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, I know. It does feel like that. we didn't record on Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. Probably why. So um, we just got out of a past life. Well, what I kind of thought was going to be a past life regression, but it ended up being, I guess it was a past life reading, which was very interesting. What's the difference? The difference, I suppose, being a regression, you get hypnotized? Well, or just you go into a meditative state. I don't think it has to be hypnosis, but you go back yourself and you have like, you know, thoughts or, or visuals or feelings about your past lives or concurrent lives. And this is just somebody giving you a reading. So it's very different. Yeah. It was interesting. It was interesting. It yeah. was very heavy, actually. It got pretty yeah. serious there for a bit. Absolutely. I wasn't expecting that. And then... Uh, so yeah. we, had, we had two ladies You know what was there. interesting is uh, I was thinking velvet, purple velvet, before she went to purple velvet. Really? And then there was another instance. I can't think of it offhand, but there was another... Oh, yeah, when she made Lisa a beer wench. I was thinking beer wench right away. She said beer wench. See, maybe they're picking up on your thoughts. It did make it weird. So they they went around. Or is it to create your own reality. Thing? Let's just set the setting here a little bit. There was two two ladies the doing setting. the. Uh, Fuck you. Two ladies. <laughs> two ladies doing this this reading. They would sort of help each other out and flip back and forth. And they just started. There was five of us in the room. And they would just start and go around. So when they got to Darren. Darren was a uh, 
a, me, a, a medium, kind of like a traveling roadshow medium, but he was super sexy and busty and he wore purple velvet robes with a crystal ball and he like lure people and he was a vamp. He had as a succubus like an energy vampire, <laughs> but he had the talent of reading, reading people, I guess. Would it be? Or yeah, spir- I had the connection, but I used it for evil. You used, well, not necessarily <laughs> evil. You just use it for your own good. But yeah. Apparently you're just whoring around the cities in your little traveling wagon. Yeah. With your low cut purple velvet busty dress. That's right. Yeah. So we were having a giggle about that until it came around to me and then it got a little more serious. Because <laughs> apparently I was a psychopathic boy killer. You tortured him up first, but you weren't really gay or But I was a genius though. I was a genius though. <laughs> the genius boy killer. Yeah. It was funny as soon as she walked in, she's like, You're a psychopath. No. You know what she did? She asked me what about my shirt right away. So what's with the shirt? And I'm like, Oh, it's just a fest from a festival. It's like my uh what do you call it? Harvest uh Astral, Astral Harvest. Harvest Festival. And I was trying to explain to her, oh, it's an art and music festival and and then I guess from that she got psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Was, but that was that wasn't even the worst of it, really. <laughs> Other people got a little bit more, I think, uncomfortable and embarrassed than than we did. Yeah, I got. It was interesting to say the least. A couple of the ladies kind of had entities almost removed from them, right? I yeah, mean, it was it, you know deep. it became it became sort of from the past life reading to like here, what's going on with you now, and you have something attached to you, kind of thing. Yeah, it got pretty deep for sure. Yeah. That was an interesting experience, to say the least. I'd like to try the hypnotic one next time. Yeah. Get hypnotized. I think I don't think I'm hypnotizable. But you probably are. <laughs> the chakras are definitely open. Yeah. And that's a I thing that so. Darren learned that if he smokes dope, apparently it opens up his chakras, so which could be a sh- bad thing. My chakras are probably more open than yours most of the time. With <laughs> 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 your yoga and your trail running, and I'm just like... Bing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. What was I going to say about that? But I was thinking about Jim Alvage and his and his little simulation theory because we started talking about podcasting with these two ladies and and um, they definitely are on board with the simulation theory. It's pretty funny. Yeah, right like, yep, like, yep, yep. It's a but, simulation. But when they were reading us, a couple times they would say they would say something which it seemed like they could just peer through the veil into a different reality. Like they were. Picking up on information. And then you had those two sort of precog feelings about your past life, and they said what you were thinking. So, I mean, it, it is interesting. Like, yeah, it's, it was that. It's kind of hard to believe when it's happening, but maybe they have the talent. Maybe people have certain talents and they can do this. Seems like something, right? Yeah. Seems like something's up. I just didn't want Darren looking into the blonde male boy killers from the 50s. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> you like to kill young boys, kill and torture. Yeah, they were all kind of extreme <laughs> lives, weren't they? Like, do you remember even the one one of your friends said, "Oh, I want the mundane life," and then it ended up being like Jack the Ripper style. Like, what? That's <laughs> yeah. not very mundane. Yeah. Yeah, that was the mundane one. Yeah, that was good. That was good fun. Yeah, I'd do it again for sure. Were you? I thought you maybe you were a little uncomfortable sitting there through all that. At times, yeah. I was like, "Does Darren just want to be somewhere else right now, or <laughs> just sitting on the couch listening to other people's like past life readings?" 
Some of it was okay, but it got awkward a couple of times. Yeah. But yeah like I said, I'd do it again for sure. There was some healing, though. Yeah, I think there was, there some, was healing. some I think there was some healing. legitimate healing there. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was pretty cool. What else you got? What's next? What well, do you got for me? I, I want to just say thanks to the listeners for reaching out and sending in letters and art. Oh, yeah, we got some you art know, and, and le- legitimate like letters to the show and synchronicities and ghost stories and trip reports. It's been great to hear from everybody. I think we have the best listeners. Like, I get the best emails just from yeah. people that are just open about their experiences and learning and life. And oh, it's awesome. Hey, you know what? I think it's actually International Podcast Day today. It is. I meant to say it. You're right. <laughs> September 30th. What yeah. are we supposed to do? I don't know. Thank the listeners. Right on. And. That's it. That's it. So since I mentioned the art, Susanna sent us, maybe I'll read the yes, we had a beautiful. We got a beautiful piece of art in the P.O. box. It's got a, can you describe that style of art, Darren? I don't know what it is. It's like chalk and on a black paper or something. All this colored chalk, it seems like. Yeah, kind of like so a Sasquatch overlooking the scene with UFOs and Moais and like clouds. surrealism, and, maybe. What really? the fuck do you want to say, you <laughs> fucking fuck? <laughs> I look like a fucking art critic. <laughs> okay, enough with the F-bombs. Well... Don't fuck coax me in. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Um, hello, Grammarica. Of course, I really enjoy your show. Thanks for all the laughs, serious introspect, helping me change the way I poo, look at life, and the way I feel about Egypt and owls, and the importance, even the importance of synchronicity. There are a lot of stories and inst- instances that have happened in life, this life, haha, in parentheses that have led up to the admiration of awesome interview podcasts such as yours. After watching the Higher Side chats for one... After. I guess that's probably how she found us, through the Higher Side chat. Maybe. Is that possible? Yeah, it is possible. We had Greg on once. That's right. He might have said something. So here's the story. For one story, my boyfriend and I were sitting... Uh, Would you like me to read it? Yeah, you should read it. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to read the handwriting. Sorry, uh, sorry, Susan. uh, Susanna. I can't read your writing. Oh, I was, we were sitting on this bottom floor balcony one evening here in Galveston on this shitty sulfuric island, which the college campus lay on where everyone had lift for holiday time left for holiday time so it was vacant there sitting we were having a drink chatting enjoying maybe i should try putting it over here i don't know where was i (laughs) (laughs) this might give darren a sneak peek at how hard it is to read letters of the show there sitting we were having a drink chatting and enjoying the evening especially since it was so quiet for once Observing the sky, we glanced over to the left and to the very end of the building, and there was a hovering triangle, orange, dim-lit spacecraft that made no noise whatsoever. It silently glided above us and stopped, then changed direction, where it proceeded back behind the building. I think it was pretty high up there, though. 
We looked at each other with amazement and curiosity, hopped over the concrete railing and ran trying to chase this thing. As we started running, it accelerated and eventually disappeared into the st stars. I have tried to tell people of this story and they don't seem to be interested or may look at me like I'm a nut. But I really, but really I think how come they have never seen one since there are so many that have, or that, that have, or even been abducted. I feel like the craft was showing only us too that they were there for some reason or another, especially since it changed direction 180 degrees after we noticed it. We were pretty much the only people outside on the canyons, on the campus that evening. Anyhow, stories are fun and that really happened. Let me know how the lucid dreaming comes along. I've really had one amazing experience, but that is a different story. Got the help from the teachings of Carlos Castaneda, which I hope you have read at least one of the books. Also the shaman's Don Juan, or Don Juan by... Carlos Castaneda. Uh, yeah. Shaman's Garden website sells herb dreaming teas. Oh, what's that? Herb uh, dreaming teas? Yeah. Do you know what kind? I don't know. No, do I don't know, know what kind. Do you know what website she said? Shaman's Garden. Okay, let me, uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, and then she's going on a canoe trip. And uh, yeah, good luck on your canoe trip. Good luck searching for Bigfoot. And thanks for the letter and the painting and the support. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, awesome. And what a sighting. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's good, right? Oh, that's yeah. like a life-changing That's like mine. Sighting. Mine changed 90 degrees. Really? But, but yours is just a tiny light in the sky. Yeah, that's right. Just a lame one. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm not so off the deep end like you. <laughs> uh, oh, you... He tried to trick me because he knows I wasn't set up for the... UFO quote, but I did People pull it up at the last for second. The old X Files background again. I got to get that going. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, why? Why don't you have that? Uh, I just never got transferred over to the soundboard. Really? And yeah, I always used to edit it in and post. Oh yeah, that's the best jingle probably we have. Yeah. So this is a profound UFO quote. <clears throat> I must admit that any favorable favorable mention of the flying saucers by a scientist amounts to extreme hearsay and places the one making the statement in danger of excommunication by the scientific theocracy. Nevertheless, in recent years, I have investigated the story of unidentified flying objects, and I am no longer able to dismiss the idea lightly. That's a paper on exobiology presented at the first annual Rocky Mountain Bioengineering Symposium held at the United States Air Force Academy in May 1964. That was Dr. Frank B. Salisbury, professor of plant physiology at Utah State University. Utah? Utah. You thought I thought a pussycat? Got <laughs> <laughs> any synchros? Lucid dreams? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I got a, a couple of really good synchronicities from listeners. Do you want to do that? Yeah. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. This is a good one. This is from Paul. Oh, you're going to like this. I'm going to like it. What's that? Okay. Yeah. 
So dear, dear gentlemen, I love the show. I just started donating a nominal, nominal amount to you guys this month. Now my synchronicity. In July 2015, I finished my PhD. I like how he mentions that first. Just, you know, it was a system. <laughs> <laughs> Butter daring up with a donation. <laughs> so he says, uh, in 2015, July 2015, I finished my PhD. It was a long and very difficult journey, mainly because I was diagnosed with severe ulcerative colitis halfway through my candidature. As a side note, I've done over 125 fecal microbiota transplants, FMTs, i.e. shit transplants or transpusions. Under the guidance of the world... Did he write transpusions? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Under the guidance of the world FMT leader and total legend, Professor Thomas Barodi, disease-wise, I'm doing well. I've only fucked up one FMT when donor shit flicked onto my face and into my mouth. Huh. <laughs> I can Jeez. say with some authority that shit doesn't taste like anything, but fuck, it smells bad when it's all over your face. Anyway, for my entire PhD candidature, I updated the main .docx file i.e. the file that contained my actual thesis each day that I worked on it. I did this to safeguard myself against accidentally destroying my own work. So each day that I worked on my thesis, I created an updated .docx file, which was named after the day's date. So on 12th November 2011, for example, I named the file 12 November 2011.docx. Each file sat in a folder, example, November 2011, which sat in another folder, example, 2011, which sat in yet another folder, PhD manuscript. Now, on the day of submission, 12th July 2015, I kept updating my thesis and anxiously, anxiously because I wanted to save it and put it away safely so that I wouldn't unwittingly fuck something up. This required me to continuously create new file names, which followed the logic of 12 July 2015A, 12 July 2015B, and so on. When it came to the final ever file, I wanted a special file name. I wanted a meaningful name that was both symbolic of my hard work and somehow aesthetically balanced. I looked at my screen and noticed two significant numbers, 105888, word count, and 918, cited references. See attachment, and he sent me the, the, the proof of this, his attachments. So out of nothing more than a feeling, I settled on 918888. It felt right. It looked balanced. So I tied a few loose administrative ends, completed a mountain of online submission forms, and submitted my PhD. In Australia, we simply submit our PhDs. We don't defend them in a viva voce. So the next day, I drove off to my part-time job. I was numb. As I approached my workplace, a red Honda Civic Type R drove past me. But it didn't just drive past me. It was fucking moving. License plate, 918888. Now, as I just noticed, n noted, I was pretty numb on this day. So even though I was astonished, I certainly wasn't in the right frame of mind to really understand the magnitude of the synchronicity. So I told a few people, nobody gave a shit, and got on with my newly empty, meaningless life. A few months later, after the dust settled on a lot of stuff, 
although my PhD still hadn't been conferred. I reflected on the synchronicity and generally wondered whether I just dreamed it all. The odd thing was that my memory of it had a dreamlike quality. It seemed like bullshit. And then I had an idea. I searched for the 91888 license plate on the Vic Roads website, i.e. The, the Road and Traffic Authority in Victoria, Australia. I quickly discovered that the license plate did indeed exist, and fuck me, it belonged to a red Honda. I'm not sure why, but my feeling at this point was genuine unease. Nevertheless, more time passed and I continued to work at the same workplace, and each day I quietly hoped for my PhD result. Then, sometime in March 2016, I can't remember when, I saw 918888 again in the very same place on Pasco Vale Road that I'd seen it the first time. Once again, it was moving pretty quickly. I knew. I absolutely knew that this meant I'd hear from my PhD examiner soon. And I did. Not the next day, which I expected, but a few days later, maybe a week. My PhD was conferred. Job done. I've not seen 918888 again. I don't want to. But if I do, I'll be sure to use a little guy as a signpost. Thanks, guys. Hmm. How's that, eh? Imagine that. This exact same, the, the, the file name that he created the day before, that was from the two numbers that he, that he noted on his... The ripple stick. You think so? Yeah. How can it be, though? It can't be that. Because he got it from the other thing. He didn't get it from the thin air. Got it from what other thing? His, his, the word count and the, and the citations, right? Tim is dot, when, he re, when he saved, 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 saved the file and he went he to rename it, he looked at those numbers? Just pick some uh, random numbers. What? Yeah, but he picked random numbers from them, didn't he? No, not really. No, it was 918 and then the other one was uh, 9188. Where is it? So it was 10, the significant numbers were 105888 and then 918. So he picked 918888. And then that happened to be the license plate the next day. And then he didn't see it again until mm. he got his PhD back. Like, mm. I was wondering what his PhD was for, actually. That felt like it meant something to me. I wonder if that car actually exists. And it's just in his mind? Yeah. He looked it up on the on the, the the website. Maybe it was the red hot. What do you mean? Maybe he's lying. You think? Have <laughs> you seen Fight Club? No. Well, yeah, but I don't remember <laughs> it. No, it seems genuine. I'll give it a eight point six. Wow, that's a big rating from the third party yeah. synchronicity rating authority. Well above average. The Canadian third party. Yeah, good one. That's way above average, buddy. Yeah, it's a pretty good synchro. Yeah. Better than any of your shit. Do you want me to keep going? I got another one here uh, of uh, <laughs> a, a synchro. If you want to stick with that, and then we sure. can save some of the other stuff. Sounds good. Do you want to do another jingle or no? Synchronicity, it's time for another. Would you like to, would you care to sing along? Oh yeah, it's got that one on it. Party. That's pretty funny. Okay, that's good.
This is from an old listener and a friend from the show. Hey guys, been a I while since I sent in an email. FYI, yesterday I was texting some friends asking if they remembered I Dream of Genie TV show. We texted back and forth pictures of Barbara Eden, Nana Now. Later in the same evening, I decided to clean up my PVR backlog of Jimmy Fallon episodes. I started watching a two-week-old episode with Kevin Bacon. At one part of the interview with Fallon, Kevin Bacon talks about how he watched Barbara Eden, the genie in the bottle, when he was younger. Then, this AM, I download Grimerica episode 188. And in it, you read about a lucid dream from a listener named Ryan, same name as mine. And after you have a brief discussion on lucid dreaming, and I say, and say, I like the I Dream of Genie world. What does this mean? What is the universe trying to tell me, if anything at all? Good to hear Darren is still sneaking in his piss fascinations on in the podcast. Remember the piss jugs. And that's from Ryan. Ryan Semenyuk, not from Winnipeg. <laughs> We always thought that Ryan was from Winnipeg. And he sent in a uh, pic. He said, don't say my last name. No, he said, I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's okay to read your last name. Yeah, uh, he would, I think he would have said something. Please Ryan. say something if you don't want me to read your last name. Ryan S. Ryan S. And there's a picture here of a piss jug. A bunch of, what what, is, I can't what was it going off about piss about this time? Oh, I found a urinal. I'm picking it up on Monday. Yeah, that would help. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. Should we just put it on the floor between us like a trough? Go <laughs> 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 look at me while you're pissing. It does get to be a pain when it's like minus 20 outside and we have to pee. In the snow? Yeah. I'll and walk you can from the see studio. the like, piss stains too. Yeah. Right beside my door. Yeah. You gotta shake off the snow before we come back into the igloo. It's cold. It's cold down here. Speaking of which, check out grimerica.ca slash support for all the different ways you can uh, keep us uh, ad-free, commercial-free, sponsor-free, affiliate-free. Well, we have some buddies, but I wouldn't call it. We don't have any affiliate bullshit. No. No bullshit. Just grounds bullshit. And, uh, yeah. Anything there, buck a month, thir- all the way up to 30 bucks a month. Uh, you know, five bucks a month, about a dollar a show. That's a pretty, pretty popular one. Um, of course, if you don't do that, you can spam Graham. Or you can uh, sign up for the newsletter, sign your friends up for the newsletter, grammarica.ca slash news. Review the show on iTunes especially, that helps. I'm sure that that helps us get guests. Like, I'm sure that if... When we send emails out and the guests look us up and if they see all the good reviews on iTunes and they're, and they're genuine reviews, not just fake bot reviews, it's, um, I think it's very helpful. Yeah. You can yeah. iTunes for that. Um, and uh, we have a P.O. box too, right? Send, send us something if you want. That's contact. Yeah. There's a swag. Grammarica.ca slash, is it swag? Yep, it is swag, yep. Yeah. All these links are in the show notes for everything. That's right. Yep. So what else you got? Anything else? No, uh, I think that's it. We have time for one more. So one more what? Anything? Anecdote? Do you have an anecdote? Yeah. Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. Well, I I got a great video sent from. Uh, you got a lot of backup. From Jeff. You actually get a lot of backup on that chemtrail. 
What are you talking People about? Attack me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. The chemtrailing has got to be the most polarized debate yet. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of polarized stuff, but yeah, chemtrails on all. It's pretty crazy. You get shit. And even half our guests are just like all in, or they're just they won't have it. Like it's crazy. But Jeff sent me a great video. I guess I'll, I'll link to it, and I get better to put a note in the show notes here. Um, <clears throat> but it really t- talks about. It's only about. I think it's a half hour, maybe. It's a Skywatcher documentary, and it talks about how there's how that uh, the contrails are still there, but they're actually mixing with some of the stuff that's in the atmosphere from cloud seeding and stuff like that as well, and it creates this whole layer. It's pretty interesting. It's not very conspiratorial, but it's not necessarily fully like I don't have the the backup and the facts behind everything he says, but. You only got like 50 minutes through it because you said it was dry. I'm like, I don't know how you thought it was dry. It was very interesting and technical, (laughs) and I thought you would have liked it. No. Why? I don't know. I'll try again. I was pretty tired. Yeah. I mean, I would like to do another another, uh, episode of uh, our little thing with the with the with the Senate report and do some more Uh, patents and stuff like that. Get away from the Senate report. It's it's really interesting. Oh, let's just get past that. Or well, let's we get should... to something newer than 1970. Let's not report on 1970 Senate reports. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just we'll start getting into some of the patents that were created recently. They happen. And you sent me a thing, a link on, I think it was from Facebook or something, Google Docs from one of our listeners that sent you a whole collage full of stuff about weather modification and all that and chemtrails. That's right. Yeah. Right on. I'll, I'll put that uh, link in the show notes. All right, guys. Yeah, I think that's about it. Enjoy the chat with uh, Jim Elvidge. He was feeling under the weather, but he powered through. Yeah. Turned out to be a great episode. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Tonight we got Jim Elvidge back in in Grime America. We had him on. Can you get this? It was December eighth, twenty thirteen. So it was two two. Uh, well, that's a long time. Like almost. Would been, he would have been one of our two and first a half. twenty episodes. Yeah, yeah. So it was a long time ago. So we're back. He's he's got a book. He's working on another book. When he was in the first time, we talked about the universe solved, which is his book that was a couple years old at the time. He's working on another book, and we'll be getting into like digital consciousness philosophy. And basically, whether we're living in a simulation or not, it's really fascinating stuff. And it's really good timing because 
for some reason over our last few episodes this topic keeps coming up over and over whether we're talking about like electric universe stuff or different types of of theories so it's really good to have you back on jim how you doing I'm doing great. Thanks. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to get back on here. No problem. Yeah, it'd be good, too, because uh, the show's come a long way since last time, too, so there's probably about a lot of people go back, but still probably to about half of our listeners, uh, this is like the first time. And this will yeah, so, entice them to go back and listen to the first interview, yeah. guaranteed. Cool. Great. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, too, about this popping up more and more often. I'm seeing it all over the place, and it's like... You know, mainstream scientists and mathematicians are kind of jumping on the bandwagon now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk said something about it. Neil deGrasse Tyson has an opinion on it now, and now people quote them, and it's kind of funny because they're, um, you know, they're a little Johnny Come Latelys to to this whole idea. But um, it's still good to see it go kind of mainstream. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of one of the things that we wanted to ask you about because I think Bank of America. Yeah, what is that? What are you talking yeah. about? That? Bank of America just said something about they gave some odds. It was like twenty or thirty percent, I think. Yeah, that completely baffled me, and and they also referenced um, Nick Bostrom as they should, and you know Tyson's statements and uh, Elon Musk's statements. Um, so I think. I don't understand why Business Insider would, would have an article about whether or not we live in a simulation, but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that they put that out. So does that, does that mean that you still get more and more attention from your work as well? Is that, is that helping? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. There's been probably an uptick, I think, in, um, in you know, interest in the book and a lot of... Uh, interaction with people about different ideas and so forth. I, I try to keep in touch with as many people as I can about this, um, either uh, on a Facebook page, uh, on my website, on my blog, uh, taking comments in and everything. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, pretty interesting field. And, uh, you know, so many ways that we can go and talk about it too. Uh, just the whole, the whole word simulation is, it's, it's like other words like God and things like that that <laughs> conjure up a particular image, and then people just kind of run with that, and they assume, oh, well, that's what we mean. We mean simulation like the Matrix. We've got some evil AI overlord or something like that, and, you know, that's not necessarily what, what we're talking about here. Yeah, or simulation as in fake, I guess, would be another one that might come up for people. Right. Yeah. So, so I was yeah, going to... Uh, definitely, yeah. I, I was going to say... Uh, as, as in regards to some of these mainstream guys, and does this does this theory does it seem to be fitting well or overlapping with the multiverse theory? Like, because you hear about that as well, all, more and more now, right? I mean, mainstream all this, you know, mainstream scientists saying that uh, you know the the possibilities are that we live in a, a multiverse with some sort of infinity or some sort of holographic uh, universe. So, can it, I guess it can still fit in with those, right? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, that's that's really a great question. I, you know, in one sense, the whole MWI many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics is um I, I think it's it's really kind of fallacious. It it it, it was it was basically uh, come up with by Hugh Everett, um, you know, great scientist. Um, but the idea was to get away from the ickiness of having consciousness involved in the um, outcome of an experiment. Right. So, you know, basically, they, you know, he said instead, well, what happens is the outcome happens both ways. Yes. And, every, yeah. you know, we just happen to live in the universe where it, where it happened the way that we think that it happened. And so it was kind of a, 
I mean, I don't know what you call it, like just a little bit of a, a trick of logic. But the implication is that, I mean, there's not even a, a, a word for the size of the number of universes that there would have to be according to that theory. It's just like zillions and zillions every second. It's crazy. Yeah, because they're talking so, about every time the, the wave collapses into a particle or whatever, every time reality changes or gets observed in a certain way, then it, it creates a whole new fucking reality or, or universe, right? Yeah, exactly. And imagine how many times each consciousness on this planet, you know, a gnat, a mosquito, a human, whatever, um, interacts with something by observing something and just spawns these zillions of universes. It, it just, you know, it, so from that standpoint, if you, if you kind of invoke uh, Occam's razor, you know, the simplest explanation is probably the right one. The, the, MWI theory doesn't make any sense at right, all. Right. It, it, I don't know why people even follow it. Um, but there, there is another aspect to it, which I think is um, kind of interesting, which is the, the idea that um, you, can have, you can have multiple threads of simulation. So, for example, let's say, um, uh, let's say from, from now going forward, uh, we want to see what happens if I decide to do this, or what happens if I decide to do that? Well, if, if the universe is constructed in such a way that it plays out those things in some sort of data stream, um, and then you can make a decision based on that, your consciousness can make a decision based on what's, what's good and what's not good, then there, isn't, there is some validity to the, to the whole um, uh, multiverse idea, to the parallel reality idea. Or what about uh, what about the holographic one, which seems to make more sense to me in that respect, where because we're all connected that every atom has a piece of everything in it, or like, it, you know, basically, how would you even explain that again? Like, you know, it's, you can, you can, you can get to anywhere from anywhere because it's all connected, sort of. Yeah, that actually makes a whole lot of sense to me. And it, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the idea of, any of these things, um, it, 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 they're models and they're, they're semantics, they're, they're ways of describing things. So the holographic idea is the idea that there's some underlying connectedness between everything that makes it possible for things like entanglement to happen or uh, paranormal experiences or, or what have you. And that as, as, a, as, an, as a paradigm or as an idea is a great one. It, it makes total sense. So it fits in perfectly with the idea of digital consciousness or, or a simulated reality. It's just that what I'm you know, interested in and what I write about is the stuff way underneath that. It's how is everything connected, you know, and, and what's the evidence that it's connected that way. That's, um, so, so it fits perfectly well with the holographic paradigm, yeah. So is that what is that kind of leading into what your 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 next book is going to be about? Uh, well, the next book is um, an attempt, and you know I'm not going to say that it, it's, it's succeeding, but it's an attempt to make this more scientific. And so, you know, the first book kind of looked at say I called it four categories of evidence. the The book I'm working on now looks at a couple dozen categories of evidence wow. and it looks at dozens of different anomalies and it explains them thoroughly with a model um you know of of how everything works so you know so from that standpoint you can kind of invoke a you know a scientific idea that 
you know, uh, the, the idea of uh, um, abduction logic that a theory that explains the most anomalies is probably the most correct. And, and so that's, that's the big, kind of the big issue in the book is to, to say we have all these, quote, theories of everything, these toes out there, grand unified theory and string theory, and, you know, God created everything. And, and there's a lot of different ones. Um, but if you, if you sort of think, well, which one of the mysteries of the world does that theory explain? They, they, uh, they're all limited in some way. So string theory has nothing to say about paranormal experiences. But, you know, there's, there's a ton of evidence that people have, uh, you know, near-death experiences and, mm -hmm. and telepathy has been scientifically shown to be a very subtle effect yeah, and so has yeah. precognition and yeah. all these things. String theory's got nothing to say about that. Yeah. So, so its scope of explanatory power is very tiny. Um, the scope of the explanatory power of, say, you know, the god of, of Abrahamic religions is 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 pretty small as well but the scope of the theory that that i'm purporting here digital consciousness uh, what i used to call programmed reality uh, really answers it all so from that standpoint it's it's a good fit for a scientific paradigm so maybe i mean maybe we should just dig start digging into that a little bit right there and for people that aren't really familiar with what like the old term programmed reality now digital simulation or digital consciousness like give us a sort of like a real high level view before we get into the some of the little more scientific parts of it probably a good yeah idea. sure yeah um so uh the, you know the basic idea is that um that uh consciousness is fundamental and primary and there's you know, panpsychism, there's other theories about that out there as well, you know, the consciousness-centric uh, universe type of idea. But So that's one kind of tenet of, of this theory. Um, the second is that all matter is digital. It's all data. It's just information um, at, at, at its core. And this is a controversial one, but it's only controversial, I think, because people associate data with computers yeah. and with um, with the idea of something being cold and calculating and artificial, like you mentioned before. But that's not the case. What we're talking about is what's the fundamental construct of reality. There's only two choices. Either it's continuous or it's discrete. Either it's, you know, analog or it's digital. Um, those, those are kind of two sides of the same coin, each of those things. So, you know, and, and what I'm saying is that for a lot of reasons, and a lot of the evidence points to the fact that ultimately matter and everything else in, uh, is just data, and the forces that we interact with are rules about how that data interacts with it, with itself. So, so that's sort of the physics side. The consciousness is fundamental and primary. Uh, feels a little spiritual, but it comes out of the whole the whole theory. The third tenet is that the reality that we're experiencing today conversation we're having now the the desk in front of you all that is illusory it's a it is a simulation of sorts and it's designed for us to learn and and to evolve our consciousness um and then and then finally the the system all that there is the big the big thing the the whole enchilada is is digital and it consists of the aggregate of all of us individuated consciousnesses plus this reality simulation and it's driven by 
um, like a fundamental rule of continuously improving itself or, or evolving. Um, and, and I do have to say right up front that uh, a lot of these ideas, um, Tom Campbell has come up with, um, you know, his his view of this, I think, has, has helped, you know, shape my view as well. I mean, we're kind of in lockstep on this, but, you know, some of these were his ideas before mine, so I, I just want to give the, give proper credit there. Give the big toe a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so, yeah. So that's that's those are the four aspects of it, you know. And and I, what I'm looking for is what's the evidence that that the reality is discrete and digital, and what's the evidence that consciousness is, you know, fundamental and primary. Hmm. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, I was I was just you know it almost seems like once you, once we finally get matter down to its fucking essential element down to the nitty-gritty it might just turn into a one or a zero you know like it's either it's a yes <laughs> or no on or off well you know when you think about it i mean and this is something i wrote a blog on a little while ago it might have been after the last time i was on the show but back in oh, a couple hundred years ago everybody thought that atoms were the ultimate building yes, block of yeah. matter and then so theoretically if you took a bunch of these little spherical billiard ball like things and jammed them together you'd have some pretty dense matter, but it would be, it would still have a little space in between it because they're spherical, right? So it'd be sort of like 75% material or stuff. I, I use the word stuff, 75% stuff, and then you know 25% empty space. And then in 1911, uh, Ernest Rutherford and others did these experiments where they found that most of the atom was actually empty space, and what was, you know, the concentration of the stuff, the material, was in the middle where, where there were protons, and they later found there were neutrons too. So that was, so at that point, the density of matter in an atom was one part in 10 to the 15th, which is like a quadrillion or something like that. So it's really very tenuous, just an atom. And then in the 70s, 60s and 70s, uh, quark theory said, oh, you know what, these, um, these protons and neutrons that we have, they're actually mostly empty space. They consist of, you know, quarks that are much, much smaller, and we can measure their cross-section. And uh, so in reality, an atom, you know, is, is, is really one part in 10 to the 30th, which is equivalent to like a grain of sand in the entire Earth. Okay, so, so it's that level of... Tenuousness, and now the string theorists go even further, and they say, "Well, really, those little quarks and everything—they're just vibrating bits of string. And how wide is the string? It's a Planck length wide, which <laughs> is ten to the minus thirty-fifth or whatever. And if you do the math, they're saying that that matter is really one part in ten to the fifty-two. So it's like every sixty years." we lose another 20 orders of magnitude of the density of matter. And, and you just kind of look at the trend and say, well, where is this going? You know, where it's going is that there is no stuff that, you know, that there doesn't need to be anymore. You know, right, string right. theory even says that the definition of every particle is the frequency that it vibrates at, well, which was, is just a number. I was just going to say that. That's what makes me think of the electrical stuff because we just had Walt Thornhill on about the electrical universe and, and, but you know, then again, then again, we also just had Anthony Peake yeah. on and, 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 uh, Nassim Harriman's, uh, emissary a little while ago. So, but, but when you think about it in electric ways, like couldn't the positive and negative charges be ones and zeros in the end? Like maybe the, the digital foundation is just a, a electrical charge of positive or negative. 
Well, yeah, in a way, although, although I think it's, it's probably, um, you know, deeper than that. It, but, but, you know, even something like, um, uh, spin value on a, on a particle, um, the physicists will say that a particle has a particular spin value, and they they categorize them based on whether the spin values are um, an integer or they're a half integer. Uh, I forget what they are: bosons and fermions and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but the interesting thing is they don't they don't migrate in, a, in like a nuclear reaction. The part the spin of the particle doesn't suddenly go from um, you know, minus a half to minus 0.49 and then minus 0.48 and then, you know, a gradual evolution to plus a half, hmm. it flips instantly, hmm. instantaneously, you know, and so so that tells you, well, there's something discreet about our world, you know. Energy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no other example of anything in a continuous world that flips instantaneously <laughs> like that. So, so I mean, to me, that's a that's evidence too that that things are discrete or digital, or, you know, deep down. Wow. There's no intermediate states between these spin values, and that's just completely anomalous if you have this idea of a continuous space time. So, so do you think that would would lend more to the idea that? like a matrix style that we, we have a sentient brain someplace or something like that, or we're, we're just experiencing uh, a reality that's digital, or is it more like, is, could it just be like, um, I, I almost liken it to like information on my computer, like, like those ones and zeros, you know, to me they're just ones and zeros, but are they active? Those ones and zeros need to have some form of, consciousness just to actually get out of bed in the morning and perform their job well um you know as tom campbell would say um consciousness is organized bits and and i i I like that model i mean he's basically saying that the complexity of all that there is is a huge level of consciousness and some people might call that god or the mind of god or whatever um and that we're we are part of that and what's interesting is that this isn't any different than what uh, spiritual beliefs have said over the millennia. And, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, you know, shamanistic beliefs around the world, um, almost all of them say the same thing, that we're, we're all part of this, this uh, you know, bigger entity. Uh, so that you, you could say, well, that's an illusion, and there's really some, you know, matrixy type of, uh, you know, Uber brain out there that, that built this and controlled it. Um, but that, that theory, which I call the simulation theory, because that, that's what people are used to from Hollywood, um, that doesn't explain things like spiritual experiences that people have. Or, and it doesn't explain near-death experiences. Mm. It doesn't really explain precognition. There's no reason for those things in a matrix type of, of simulation. So, so I think more more likely, um, I agree with Tom that the whole system itself is the kind of brain of everything, and it's and it's a little bit um, agnostic to to how it evolves. Like it, the idea of continuous improvement or evolution is that it'll try something, and if that works better, it keeps on doing that. If it works worse, it stops doing that, and. So it's going to constantly improve itself. And what it's probably figured out is that 
um, by dividing itself into a number of conscious entities and giving those conscious entities the same continuous improvement, you know, fundamental rule that it evolves faster than trying to do it all by itself. Um, I don't know if that makes so any sense. So it's almost like, um, it's almost like if you have a bunch of thumb drives plugged into your external hard drive, so it lessens the load. Kind of. The, the analogy I use is, let's say you want to uh, raise the temperature of the ocean by a degree. You, you could put like a, and, and, and let's say there's no, um, you know, dispersion and all those kind of, uh, you know, heat loss types of, of things. You could put a big heat lamp at the, at the, at the beach and turn it on and it would take, you know, like a zillion times the, the duration of the, the, the known universe for it to raise the ocean by a degree. Um, so that would be a, a stupid and a brute force way of trying to do this. But if you divided it up and said, well, we're going to put a heat lamp at every square meter of the ocean surface and turn that on, well, that's going to work better. It's still going to take much, much longer, but if you said, and I've actually calculated out how long these things take, which is kind of stupid, but um, you, you could also then say, well, we'll put a heat lamp at every cubic meter of water, and then your ocean will heat up within an hour or something like that by a degree. So it's much more effective to divide and conquer, to, to break a big consciousness like what people might call God or what I call all that there is and what some people call a global consciousness or something uh, to break that up into little pieces, which are you and I and our cats and our dogs and, and mosquitoes and all that stuff. And, and, and let them go and learn and evolve through experiencing, um, you know, a simulated reality like we're in right now. Um, and as we all evolve, then the bigger system also evolves. Huh. I was thinking about, you know, the option of this being, you know, more of like a video game style simulation. So like we, maybe there's Darren and I are avatar, you know, avatars of somebody playing the game. And then, then I started thinking about the Eastern perspective, like Buddhism and all this, how when you start practicing mindfulness, you start separating yourself away from your thoughts to realize like there's this awareness behind the thoughts. Like what's the difference? Why, why is there, what's the awareness of, you know, me thinking and like I can observe my thoughts now and separate myself from my thoughts like are those thoughts there from the game player and like I've also got some sort of fucking unique consciousness that I can observe this yeah I think that's an excellent way to look at it um, and, and I think that's really kind of the way the that our physical reality works it is like a, a game it's a, it is a virtual virtual space and we have some rules that we have to follow the quote rules of physics or whatever and you know by the way those rules might modify over time because the you know the system sees the need to do that sort of like a patch to the game but <coughs> excuse me but yeah the the analogy is really very good um so in our physical what we call our physical reality again which is mostly virtual um it's like a video game we have an avatar the avatar is the way we perceive our bodies in, in the matrix they call it your residual self-image or something like that, your digital self-image. But it's, it's what we think we look, at, look like. That's our avatar. And, you know, imagine if you were um, in a very immersive video game that 
fooled you into thinking you were part of reality like the you know the imagery was so perfect and the sounds were so perfect and you were able to you know set aside your memories somehow so that you didn't remember the time before you started the game you'd have no no way of knowing um you know and then maybe through meditation you'd pop out of that that experience you'd say well well gee i'm somewhere else i'm not this avatar in the game i'm somewhere else and that makes total sense because it takes meditation to quiet the mind and get rid of all the crap that's zipping around your mind that has to do with this physical reality and once you get rid of it now you can tap into where you really are and for all we know that's exactly what happens when you die is pop <laughs> yeah, sure. And and it's not that it's it's speculative. I mean, people who have, you know, people who have studied near-death experiences, there's such commonality between those experiences and there are things like um, past you know, corroborating lives. evidence yeah, that, that yeah. people have, you know, yeah. past past life corroborating evidence and all that. I mean, that's that's hard to refute even though it's anecdotal. It's like you know, this person never learned that language, and all of a sudden they're speaking Italian or whatever. Oh, you know, yeah. The evidence is becoming overwhelming for that. And, you know, even though it, in, in all those areas, like I think NDEs and, I mean, there's enough. And, yeah, sure, it's hard to repeat scientifically, but there's enough evidence there that yep. with, with corroborating, so, corroborating testimony. Yeah. <laughs> so sticking with, uh, sticking with the video game analogy, what happens... In your opinion, if the say the power goes out and this game shuts off, or the simulation, or this digitalized hard drive, or whatever it is, it just shuts off. Do you think that's the end, or like are we a product? Are we experiencing the simulation, or are we a product of it? Yeah, I, I, so we we could say like what would happen if I, I suppose, but it, it to me that would never happen because the whole construct of reality is something that's going on it's not powered by anything it's it is information but if it were more like a simulation model like what you're talking about and the power goes off let's say you restart the power refill your world with artifacts refill everybody's brains with the memories that they had just before the power went off nobody would know the difference so we are just in the simulation we're just in it yeah, but that that's that simulation that's model. That, yeah. That's the yeah. So so I I think there's there's really nothing behind powering this. I think the the fundamental construct of reality is, um, you know, it's it's like a substrate for the simulation. The simula think of think of all that there is as a big cloud, and our physical reality is a simulation program within that 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 we connect to. Our consciousness is connect to, so that we can you know, learn to uh, be patient or learn to love people better or, or whatever it is. Um, does, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I can almost liken that to like um, when people talk about, you know, the time between lives where you're kind of like setting up your experience mm -hmm. and yep. uh, before you reincarnate and you're like, okay, well, you know, this time I was rich, so this time I want to be poor. And then you pop in and, you know, then it sucks. But And you forget why you're there, but you learn the lesson that you need to learn. Exactly, yeah. And, and what I think is happening there is that <clears throat> we have two kinds of, uh, and I'm an engineer, so I tend to use engineering terms for these things, which might be off-putting to people who aren't. But 
um, like a data store or a database. We have two kinds of, of, of data stores. One that is uh, the stuff that we retain from life to life, you know, our values maybe, lessons learned. Um, it, it's, it's the reason why identical twins raised in the same environment might act completely different. One might be a serial killer and one might be, you know, something, you know, much, much more normal. Um, it, it's because of that information that, that we retain. It, that's the evolution of our consciousness. And then the other data store is the stuff that we collect during our lives, like what I have for breakfast today, you know, that memory of high school and, and whatever. That stuff isn't really needed from life to life. So when you, um, when you pass and you, you know, meet your spirit, quote, spirit guides, which is just another form of consciousness, and, and work out, well, what do I want to do next time around? Um, you have access to that information, but when you start your new incarnation, you don't need it anymore. In fact, it's probably just going to confuse you. Um, so I think that's what's happening when people go through like a hypnotic regression. They, 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 they step outside of their physical reality a little bit, and they can tap into that, um, you know, that, previous, that previous set of data. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, so you can step into your, whether it's past, whether it's past life or whether it's a higher self or some sort of other, I mean, and you get there, you must get there through, you know, lucid dreaming as well and all these other, other ways. Peyote. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to a lot of that, you know, there's, you know, anything that's going to clear out the clutter in your, in your mind and allow you to connect to <coughs> what's really underlying everything is um rhythmic drumming uh peyote whatever yeah yeah so what are some of the other other areas of sort of evidence or scientific type stuff you're looking at for your new book then if you're trying to like drill down to some of the the real examples that would show this well, I mean, I, I do spend a little bit of time on the kind of physics of the nature of reality, and it's a—it's actually a, a pretty big topic in the physics world. There's people who argument, argue vehemently on both sides, yeah. um, and, and there are things like, you know, if you assume a continuous world, then you have to assume that everything has infinite resolution. So if there is such a thing as infinite resolution, then matter would would implode into these little black holes below the Planck scale level. You know, you get small enough, everything's going to implode. We don't have any physics that explains that. Um, you know, relativity and quantum mechanics can't coexist without a, a discrete theory. Uh, um, loop quantum gravity and string theory are the only ones that can, you know, make those two, you know, fundamental theories work together. What was, it, what was the those, first one you said? Loop quantum uh, gravity? Loop quantum gravity. Yeah, and, and both of those only work with a minimal length scale. Um, so, you know, just, just kind of looking at the physics of it it, it, it doesn't make sense. But then, you know, you also think about just the, you know, the nature of um, creating such a reality. I'm not saying that, that there is a creator out there, but if it created itself, you know, no matter how it got formed, it would take an infinite amount of resources to create a truly continuous reality, but a quantized reality takes a finite number of resources. You know, and, and so you ask the question: Why would the universe be either designed, um, or, or why would it evolve to be so inefficient? It doesn't make sense. So, I think 
logically speaking, you know, that's an argument for why things are discrete. Uh, a lot of quantum mechanics theorists say that it's just a sequence of states that nothing happens in between the states. So that's also a perfect model for uh, a discrete or digital world. Huh. Um, so a lot of things, a lot of things there. Huh. So what, what about outside of, outside of physics? I mean, this could take you anywhere, right? Do you, have you checked out biocentrism or, or biology or chemistry? Like what? I mean, it, it must be hard to stop going down the, the rabbit hole trying to tie all this together. Yeah, um, it is. I've read the biocentrism book, and, and that's one of the ones that I mentioned is sort of a consciousness-centric idea, um, and, and it just it does fit in very well. Uh, the other thing is there isn't any evidence at all for continuous reality. Uh, Max Tegmark, who's a famous and a guy I really respect because he's an open-minded uh, thinker, you know, he's, he's made the point that we've never measured anything in physics to like more than 16 digits. And there's no experiment that's ever been carried out where the outcome depends on the idea of this true continuum. So um, there's, there's really no evidence for a continuous reality. It's just that that's the way everything seems because the discreteness is so much smaller than our observational level. You know, it's kind of like you walk around a, uh, a city, you know, things look flat. You know, the earth looks flat to you. It's not until you get way out that you realize that it's, that it's round. Oh, we'll get some letters about that. <laughs> <laughs> or it could still be flat. <laughs> yeah, no, it just stays flat. No matter how high you go, Jim. It's flat. All yeah, right. <laughs> um, That's a glitch in the matrix. Well, you talk about the glitches in the matrix, though. What would it? What would account for some of those things? I don't know. If, have you followed any of the Mandela effect examples that have been going on over the past few years? Berenstain Bears. Yeah, funny enough, I was just talking to a guy at work. I was trying to explain it to him that, just today, and and I was like, oh, I can't really do a good job. And then I thought, oh, actually, we're talking to Jim tonight. I'm gonna have to bring it up. So. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I just got my mom sent me. She saved all twenty twenty eight. Because I have the, the whole Berenstain Bears collection when no I was a way. kid. Yeah, I learned how to read on Berenstain Bears. Really? And she she shipped them out, and that would I just got them. I just got them like two days ago. And they all say stain, right? And they all say stain. See, yeah. and so the guy at work, I asked him because this is. I mean, I did want to get into this, even though I'm sure some people are are bored silly of it, but it is pretty interesting because that I agree with the Berenstain one from sh for sure, and the guy at work said the same thing. So, so that's pretty. Heavy. A lot of the other ones I d that don't resonate with me, but there was a new a new example that came up that um, that I was sure of as the, well. The James Bond. I don't What's think the James it was Bond um, one. Well, uh, do, do you guys uh, do, do you remember the movie Moonraker? Yeah. So in that movie, there's a scene where uh, Jaws. Remember, Jaws was the yeah. the big henchman with the metal mouth. Yeah. And there's a scene where he's in a cable car in Rio, and, and the cable car smashes into the uh, cable car structure. Um, and and this you know young girl helps, uh, young woman helps pull him out of the rubble, and she pushes this big wheel out of the way. And he looks at her, and he he grins with his big mouth full of metal. And she looks at him, and she grins with her braces, and they instantly have a connection and fall in love. And, and the music swells, and then they walk off together. And and that and all of a sudden, he becomes a good guy after that. Remember that? I do. Oh, I'll go take a look at the movie now. She has no braces. What? Yeah, she has no braces. <laughs> 
now. Yeah. I it's, swear she had braces. I know. It's, isn't it hard to believe? So what is going on? Like, so that's another good example. And then the Berenstein Bears one, just for people that haven't heard of it, is is this Berenstein Bears was spelt at the end S T A I N, I guess, right? That's right. But I remember it, and every everybody else remembers it as S T E I N. So what is going yep. on? I mean, it really is hard to just believe that uh, it's. Um, it's just everybody's stupid and it was that way. Because even when I look at it, when I physically look at it, it doesn't look right either. Like no, it, doesn't, it, doesn't. it doesn't look right. So, but the problem is, I think with this, just like all these other phenomena, is, is it's filled with stuff that I don't know if the people are stretching now or, yeah, I mean, I haven't even heard of a lot of it. Not that not that, that means anything that we haven't heard of it, but do you think that it's yeah. getting stretched out a bit? Uh, you mean the the idea that people are looking for these kinds well, of things and, now? Yeah, and, and all the examples. Like if you read the top ten exa- examples, some of them are like, oh, they're you know, I don't know if they're really as yeah. legit as Jaws or Berenstein. Yeah, I agree. I, some of them I've read some of those too, and and I'm like, well, I kind of remember it the other way. And yeah, <laughs> um, my girlfriend remembers uh, Jaws, or no, she remembers Berenstein with an A I N. I've I've met wow. other people who have too, but most people I know don't. They they remember it with the E I N. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And there's another one that I'm really I, I really was kind of bugging over uh, recently. Was uh, well, I'll ask you the question. Um, the day uh, JFK was shot, he was in a limousine. How many how many seats? How many rows of seats were in that limousine? Two. And how many people were in it? Two, and there was four people in it. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what I thought. But if you go back and look at anything now, there's a Bruder film, anything, you'll see three rows of people. Um, Connolly and his wife were in the second row, and then there was a driver and a Secret Service agent in, in the front seat. That's a new one, then. They must just have done that. Pretty <laughs> they soon, they're, pretty soon they're going to start <laughs> greasing up 9-11, too. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So well, I'm, looking you know, at one on, I'm looking at one on the website that one of our bloggers wrote a few about a year ago, I think, <laughs> and he said that New Zealand. Now I don't ever remember New Zealand being northeast of Australia. I always remember it being southeast, but apparently a lot of people remember it as always being to the northeast of Australia. Yeah, I, I did too. I don't. I don't know why, but that, that kind of thing I I attribute to. I don't know, just bad memories. I mean, when you remember something. It turns out you're not remembering the original thing. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. It's the way our memory works. So there's that whole whisper down the lane phenomenon that goes on when you recall things. It's why memories are so fallible. Um, so I don't really trust my memory about that one you know, so much. It's too vague. But the dolly without braces, the interesting thing about that one to me is like with the Berenstein Bears, um, they've basically, you know, they, uh, whatever, the system has basically re- rewritten all the artifacts. There's no evidence at all anywhere that it used to be Berenstein, except for, you know, people who might have tried to Photoshop it in and claim that, you know, here's a picture of one. <laughs> but but with the, uh, with the jaws and, uh, and dolly and the braces, there is evidence, actually. There's, there's a few. There's the fact that the scene doesn't even make sense anymore. You know, it was a it was a joke before. You know, people laughed at it because they both had mouthful of metal. Now there's no reason to even have that in there. So 
so the very the whole point of that is kind of evidence that it used to be different. Um, and also, somebody somebody dug up a uh, uh, a, a, a BBC obituary of Richard Keel, who played Jaws, and in it they said, you know, they referenced uh, the movie when he was with this girl who had pigtails and braces. So, you know, and this was written in 2014, so it's almost like, you know, the universe isn't quite cleaning everything up right now. It's, it's leaving little, you know, evidence, more evidence that it's soft than, than even before. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, yeah. it's only partially cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so and, and then there's the the whole Star Wars one they'll, too, they'll right? Clean Did you that up this? in the next update. Yeah, in the next iOS. <laughs> it's just they're like <laughs> right. we're we're creating more glitches, not less. You're ah, supposed to be cleaning yeah. it up. <laughs> oh, Steve Jobs died. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Shit's yeah, gonna get and now messy. You, 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 yeah, you can certainly speculate like all day long about what's the point of it. The the only thing I can come up with is that. You know, we're meant to realize that that our reality is soft, that it's not truly objective, that it that it, that it's modifiable for some reason. Maybe it's so that we, you know, behave differently and carry out our lives differently. Um, I'm not sure. But well, yeah, it is the, interesting because it's a personal it's a personal feeling, right? When somebody gives you that example, because when I when I talk about the Star Wars one, right, you go back to Star Wars, you 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 you, you go back in your memories, and you're like. Okay, when I was watching that in Star Wars, or or it's just this urban myth that's been going on for so long, but it really it, was, it really has a personal one? feeling. Um, oh, geez. Uh, okay, Darth Vader said, uh, "Darren, do you know this one?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am your father. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember it that well, so I, I can't tell whether it was that or not. Yeah. So he says, I mean, you used to also hear things like I remember um, more from Tommy Boy. When he's talking to the fan. <laughs> well, it's because that's what it is. The whole thing is, Luke, I'm your father, right? Like, Luke, I'm your father. But it's, he, it's really, no, I am your father, is what he says. Right. No, yeah. Luke. No, 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 and not I, I Luke. I can't remember that. But, but then again, uh, you know, Lucas changed that film so many times, there may be a version yeah. <laughs> somewhere where yeah, it did yeah. say that. Well, that's what I was wondering with the James Bond, if they accidentally just, you know, they, they someone fucking drove over the original, and they're like, oh, well, we have this other one with the ending before we got the braces idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have I have a, a DVD of it, which I, I just watched again recently, and sure enough, she has no braces. Wow. I wish I would have recorded the old, like, TBS when it was on TBS back in the day. I think that's where I watched it. When they used to have the, like, all weekend long, they just blast every James Bond movie. But I think the point is that it doesn't matter. That, that you know, even if you recorded that, that could get rewritten, too. Mm. Um, and, and, and what underlies this is, again, the idea that... Um, you know the, that our universe is soft. It is just based on data. It's really easy to change data. Uh, so I mentioned before that the inf- information that represents our memories is in a couple, actually probably three places. There's the brain part of the simulation, which is like a cache. There's a temporary part of uh, of our soul record, which we lose when we die. At the this is the you know. Your, your sort of life history. And then there's the permanent part of our soul's record, what we retain from life to life. And for some reason, you know, all that there is decided to, that it made sense to move, remove Dolly's braces in all of the artifacts of our reality. Um, but for some reason, the consciousness data stores didn't get rewritten when that happened. We just don't know why. 
but there's a the digital consciousness theory gives a perfectly good explanation for it or a foundation for it at least yeah that it, that it is a good example of how our perception creates our reality and it can be completely wrong like these people mm-hmm. and me included are sure that like berenstein had an e yeah so like my reality now you know my perception has created possibly a wrong a wrong reality for me it's it's really interesting it does sort of humbly kind of vulnerably Show you how point, wrong point that it could be, be about everything yeah yeah and yeah and it, i had a I had an experience like that as a kid i remembered uh, a church that we went to burning down twice and the second time that it happened i remember saying to my parents I can't believe that happened twice. And they looked at me like I had two heads. What are you talking about? And there was nobody else that I knew that, that remembered it twice. It was just, and it wasn't a, I didn't think it was a dream anyway, but I thought I was pretty sure that it, that it, I remembered it happening before. And the second time it happened, it wasn't like, oh my God, this happened. It was like, oh my God, it happened again. So, so yeah, I can't explain that. <laughs> that's crazy. So what, what about uh, the, the genesis of the name then? So just for people that uh, haven't heard of, what, why did they call it the Mandela Effect then? Do you know the, uh, that story? Or? Yeah, well, it just came from the idea that a lot of people remembered that Nelson, or had the recollection that Nelson Mandela died in prison. I, okay, might have even thought, started yeah. with, with Art Bell. Um, he... I was on uh, his show. He wasn't uh, the host. I was on it just a few nights ago um, with Heather Wade, and she said that when he was first told that uh, Mandela was in a hospital or something like that, he said, what do you mean? He died in prison years ago. So he had that that uh-huh. belief. And then a whole bunch of people said, hey, I remember that too. And and so I think that might have been sort of the origin of, of that um you know that effect. Wow, that's great that it started in one of our all all time favorite uh, you know late night talk show hosts that we used to listen to in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Art Bell has served his purpose. <laughs> How could isn't Matt, didn't he is Nelson Mandela the one who's president of South Africa? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he lived till he was ninety five. Yeah, he just died a few years ago, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah, I knew that. See. I don't remember, <laughs> but I might have been too young. Yeah, yeah, in the eighties. So, yeah. So th- this was just uh, another example of, you know, there aren't too many things that can explain the Mandela effect. You know, uh, you know, religions can't really explain that, and simulation theory could explain that. Um, many world theory doesn't explain it very well. Uh, so, so yeah, it's an, just another example of something that, that that my theory does very good at. Especially when you add in the fact that it could all be kind of somehow connected because, you know, once a certain amount of people, it could even be that once a certain amount of people started remembering it a certain way, it just offset the scale and it's like, okay. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. I mean, there was a study done in Princeton on um, on the weather, uh, the likelihood of the weather being clear with no rain on their commencement day, and I think like the day before and the day after, there were two major events. So they looked at those three days, and it's statistically significant that those days have really great weather, um, and the days around them don't. You know, they they have kind of normal summer weather. You know, probability of rain is what twenty percent, and on on the commencement day it was much less. So that feels also like a, a global consciousness type of uh, 
type of interaction. Hmm. Yeah, like the example of what was it, all the hundreds and hundreds of elk or some sort of animal out there sipping at the water oh, thing, and as soon oh, as it reaches, alpha like... alpha male doesn't... Uh, no, as soon as it reaches, like, for, as soon as 49% of them realize there's 51. water there and start... 51, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks for the correction. <laughs> then they all then they all automatically go there or something. That's, that's your buddy, Thom Hartman. Well, you, you've ever heard of the 100th monkey effect, Yeah, right? that's that's what I was thinking of, too, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same idea. And there's there was one recently I, I've just noticed. I didn't write about it or anything, but... They, uh, I think, and I'm not 100% sure of this, but I've seen articles about how um, certain animals, I think it might be chimpanzees, have entered the Stone Age. So they have now been observed creating stone tools. And, but it's not just localized. Like it's throughout the world, any primates are... are uh, Developing stone tools. Right, now. Don't lines, quote me yeah. on that, but I but I seem to remember some somewhere I read saying that it wasn't just a localized effect, like one particular tribe or group learned it from each other. No, it, it just went worldwide. Yeah, like the Rupert Sheldrake morphic uh, resonance kind of thing, right? Where how yep. that that yep. evolution happens through not just physical changes and stuff; it's through the, some sort of consciousness or some sort of field. Yeah, uh, Carl Jung talked about that too, and you know these are people who who uh, had the courage to think really differently, and I think in a lot of ways they're they're accurate. You know, again they they didn't know why those things happened, but I think there's uh, you know what what I write about is is sort of the foundation for it. Yeah, there's well, evidence too. I mean, there's evidence of this. animals, right? And animals like when they're just fucking born and they just have instincts. How else do you explain instinct? Right. Well, it's always puzzled me how you can bring a kitten home and they know right to go in the box. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, my, I think of cats too because that's what mine's always needing me and stuff. I'm like, why are you needing me? Like, or it's an instinct that they have to do that. Yeah. So one of the other things I've read about this this recently is that trauma can be passed down. Although they're Ooh, saying right. it's passed down through DNA, DNA, um, but it's certainly passed down from you know generation to generation in some way. But if you think again, what is trauma? Trauma is um, it's, it's an experience that you're having that you're essentially recording. You're you're storing in that data store I was talking about before. So it's there for your, you know, quote, offspring to, to tap into, it's it's all very possible that, that those things get transmitted easily. We're just big old self-replicating machines. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't even have to be big, really. We could just, who knows? We could just be on a shelf someplace. Yeah, yeah maybe. Brain in a jar. Yeah. So what, uh, when's, your, when's your next book going to be coming out, do you think? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I uh, was... Excuse me. I was ha- hoping to get it out by the end of the year, but uh, I'm a little slow on it. It's it's all finished right now, but you know, in the sense of I finished the final chapter, but there's so much cleanup to do, and then it's uh, shopping for a publisher and doing all that. So it'll probably be sometime uh, into next year. And then what about what about what else are you doing in the meantime? Is there any conferences and stuff like that to go to? Is there any sort of is there any simulation theory conferences going on right no, now? You know like, what? I'm not I'm not really sure. I, I looked into that a little while ago, 
there are consciousness-based conferences, and I really should be part of that. Um, uh, unfortunately, I do have a day job, so that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, all, all of this other stuff I do in my spare time, so oh. it's, uh, it's a little bit hard to keep up with it all. So we know the feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You guys come home and do this, right? Yeah. That that day job seems to have helped you. Like, what? what your signal processing engineer or something like that? I mean, that uh, it yeah, seems actually, like it fits was, into was, like fits into your whole field, though. Yeah, it re- really does. Uh, the digital signal processing aspect of it was, you know, my college focus, and then. Uh, you know, in in my industry, it's it's high tech. So I've been working with computer systems forever, and uh, writing code for a long time. So I kind of see how things work, and I can kind of relate to how you know some of these anomalous things uh, you know work in our world. So one example is uh, you know the idea of uh, entanglement. You know, entanglement's a total mystery to people, but it's not if you if you recognize that those particles, their their definition, their position, and so forth, come into existence when we observe them. They get their um, their attributes at that point. And this is sort of the implicate order. This is under underneath the, the holographic view. Um, so they get their, their attributes, and now you can separate them as far as you want because their attributes were based on the same, quote, you know, random number generator or finite state machine or whatever that underlying computational mechanism is, they're going to work in lockstep going forward, uh, no matter how far apart you take them. They don't have to communicate with each other. So that that all makes total sense. But unless you know what finite state machines are and, and how computer systems work, you know, that idea might completely elude people. What about uh, quantum computing? Is that um, like when we get when we st- sort of start to master quantum computing? Do you think we'll be able to, to run any sort of simulations on any sort of scale to to what we'd be experiencing? Well, maybe. I mean, I, I do kind of agree with uh, Nick Bostrom's point of view that we are going to get to the point where we can create simulations that are indistinguishable from reality. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I can foresee a you know World of Warcraft type of thing that's totally immersive. Um, Fifteen years away, probably. Yeah, geez, who knows? Even I mean, they're already pretty advanced with some of the VR games. I mean, you can step right in and be immersed completely, and it's just starting. Like, it's really just like a year or two old. So it may not even take that long. Yeah, they sure are. So, cool. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for uh, sharing all this with us. Yeah, happy to. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was a uh, you know great set of questions. You guys, you guys obviously have thought about a lot of this stuff before. Yeah, well, we're just winging most it most of the time. <laughs> this is the stuff we ponder on, though. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, well, it's it's fun, isn't it? It's better than the daily grind. Oh, That's yeah, right, totally. and it's, it's changing so fast. Like since it seems like it's changed so much since we've had we had you on just over two years ago. There's, you know, there's all this mainstream chat about it. There's the Mandela effect. There's, you know, it's uh, it just gets more and more interesting as we go along here. Yeah, it really is, and and actually, that's an area where my day job is about, um, you know, helping companies adapt to rapid changes. Uh, changes are happening faster than 
you know, companies are kind of slow moving. They've had the same hierarchical management structure for years and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's hard for, for them. It's hard for people to change with this stuff too. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're, it's probably built into our DNA to not change. It's safer to not change. You know, when we were hunter gatherers, if we, you know, went against the norm and uh, fought the saber-toothed cat or ate the the weird-looking berries or whatever, we wouldn't pass on our DNA. So we we've come to be very change averse, and yet our world is changing so fast. I think it's it's really hard to keep up with. Geez, you should start working for the government then, if you help people change. I mean, com- com- companies move fast compared to the government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that might be a good career career in there for you. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to work for the government. No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Total lack of respect there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, yeah, thanks a bunch for coming on the uh, on the show, Jim. Once the new book comes out, shoot me an email and uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll plug do this it. again. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. It was great. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay. I hope you, hope you feel better soon. Okay. Take care. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was a chat with Jim Elvidge. 2.0. 2.0, another mind-blowing chat. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. It was a fun one. Yeah. Stuart, he was under the weather. Would have been a good one to go a couple hours. Yeah. he's uh, Must be interesting for him, though, being sort of uh, writing writing about this stuff and then having people like uh, Elon and... That's three years ago we were talking about. these guys about talk about it. Elon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good yeah, Jim. Yeah, we'll touch base with Jimmy in the future. Yeah. Bring us up to speed on our digital reality. I was going to say the last part he was talking about there with uh, the observer effect. I forgot to mention it, but that, that reminds me of what you always talk about, like the computer game saving memory, right? As it doesn't need to doesn't need to manifest until you observe it, and then it manifests into the programmed reality. Other than yeah. that, it's just the background of the matrix. At that moment, it doesn't exist. The yeah. other particle doesn't even exist. Huh. And then once you observe them, they're changed to, and then they're infinitely attached. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, big thanks to Jim for coming on the show. Uh, big thanks to you motherfuckers for listening. Uh, check out grimerica.ca slash support. Check out all the different ways you can help us keep having these chats. Well, I, I meant to say in there as well, there's the show notes. Um, for all the stuff we talked about, we'll be in there, like links to all the stuff. So I, I should, I was going to say it while we were chatting with Jen, but sorry to interrupt you, buddy. I forgot what I was talking about. But yeah, support the show. Yeah. support. Sign up for a monthly, make a one time donation, help us keep this uh, ship going ad-free, sponsor-free, and 100% listener-supported. Yeah. Sign up for the newsletter, grandamerica.ca slash news. Get your Grandamerica swag, grandamerica.ca slash swag. Spam gram. G-R-A-H-A-M at grandamerica.com. Tweet, yeah. You can tweet Darren. Instagram is a good way to get a hold of us. Yeah. Instagram's doing pretty good. Like the Facebook really page. really cool art on Instagram. Leave the review. Tell your friends about the show. I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week.
Just won't 